0: You know, the relationship thing is a, is, a, is a big issue. You know, a lot of folks come out of law school and, and I speak from experience. I came out as an idealist. I thought, okay, everybody needs a lawyer. Well, maybe everybody needs a lawyer, but those that need lawyers, many times already have lawyers. They have existing relationships. So to, to a degree, it was almost like a Wizard of Oz moment. I thought I would click my heels and there was my book of business. It doesn't, it doesn't roll like that. You're listening to Be That Lawyer, life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Each episode, your host, author, and lawyer coach, Steve Fretzen, will take a deeper dive, helping you grow your law practice in less time with greater results. Now, here's your host, Steve Fretzen.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Be That Lawyer. I hope you're having a terrific day. I am living in Chicago, living the dream. You know, we're just getting into the nicer weather here. And and quite frankly, the lawyers I'm talking to, everybody's sort of in a good mood other than, you know, what's happening across the world, which is horrible. But generally speaking, um, things are calming down with the COVID. And so we're all kind of getting back into business. People are having record years, record quarters. And if you're not, there may be a number of reasons why. You're not focusing on business development. Possibly you're not focusing on your mental and physical health. You're feeling tired and drained. And that's no good. We have to keep our energy up. I've already had a crazy morning and I'm now leading to the afternoon. And you still have some good energy left for the afternoon. I'm going to need it because the guest I have today is all about it. And I'm going to introduce Carl Fix in a minute. I want to take a second and just uh, thank our sponsors, Legalese Marketing and Money Penny, both terrific. You'll be hearing more about them as the show goes on. And Carl was kind enough to give me a really interesting quote. And it's uh, by Steve Prefontaine and it's to give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift. And that's pretty deep. That's pretty heavy, pretty deep. Carl Fix, uh, welcome to the show. How's it going, man?
0: It's going very well, Steve. Thank you so much for having me on again. It's uh, great to be here. I always love chatting with you. So thank you.
1: I agree. agree. And tell tell me about that quote and what that quote means to you and why you submitted it to me.
0: Well, Steve Prefontaine was probably one of the best distance runners, uh, American runners ever, and he died way too young, and he just really brought it when he was on the track. And I like that quote because everybody has a gift, at least one, if not more, and that gift is different for different people. We, We all have different gifts, and the common denominator is your effort whatever your gift is, whether you're a gifted dancer, or you're a prolific writer, or you're a podcaster, or you're a lawyer, that's a gift. And regardless of what your gift is, if you don't bring your best effort, you're going to sacrifice it. So it's just very succinct to me. It just delivers a huge impact. And I think about that quote often. So that prompt was a great one. And I, I thought of uh, Pre as he Is so affectionately known still.
1: And and let me just ask your thoughts on this, and taking a little a little bit deeper. I mean, to give anything less than your best is that in the areas where you're gifted, or is that in everything in life? Because I just am just wondering. Like, I think I've got a number of you know gifts. I can't tell you there's they're into the dozens, but maybe they're into the two or three. Uh, that I know, if I give my best, I'm going to get a predictable outcome. I'm going to get a positive outcome. I'm going to be really happy. Whether that's being a great dad, whether that's taking care of my health, whether that's you know how I work with my lawyers to help them. But I don't think I can give my best, or maybe would have the ability to give my best in everything. So is that is it is it really about using where, where you have gifts to, to to make sure you put the full effort out?
0: Yeah, but I mean, I just, you know, I've got two daughters, as, as we talked about previously, one's 21, one's 17. And when they were growing up, uh, I mean, they're still growing up, but when they were younger and they'd, um, you know, they'd hit a patch in the road and I'd say, well, did you give, did you give it your best effort? Because that's, that's all you need to do. So I, I think, I think it, it applies to everything. Okay. Uh, just trying, trying to give your best effort. Because you may have a gift that you're not aware of, and it may pop up in the rarest of places. And you say, wow, I never knew I could do that. Uh, yeah. And
1: I, I, I get what you're saying. And I think, you know, with my teenager too, like, you know, I remember coaching his soccer team and I said, Andrew, I don't care if you score. I don't care if you block a goal. I don't care, you know, whatever. If you left it on the field, if you tried your hardest and, and you, you have no regret at that point, right? Versus, yeah. you know, just kind of, you know, kicking the, kicking the dirt and walking around in circles, you know, and, and not really giving it a try. And that, that upsets me that, cause I think I, I, and I think I was that way when I was a teenager, but now I think I've learned the life lessons and I know like how important and valuable life is and effort is in, in, in getting where you want to be. Um, yeah. And, if, and you, it,
0: if you think about the practice of law, I mean, uh, when we represent clients, these clients are in crisis and they certainly want you to give your best effort. And, you know, you can't mail it in. You can't really mail it in for, for the client. I mean, under the rules of professional conduct, you have a, you have a professional obligation to represent them zealously. Yeah. And I think, you know, zealous from 30,000 feet includes giving it your best effort.
1: Yeah. And uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, Carl was on my show a while back and he's joining me again to Continue to share his wisdom. And he's the founder of No Surrender LLC. And Carl, uh, do do me a solid and give a little background on yourself, and, and you know, kind of let's go back and, and and talk about how you how you came to be. Sure,
0: I started practicing law in 1988, small firm, about twelve to fourteen lawyers at any given time. I rolled out of that firm in 2000. I went to a much bigger firm in Central Connecticut, uh, 100 to 120 lawyers, and I practiced. Until 2013, and then I took a, a brief diversion into the world of philanthropy. I ran a foundation, non-legal job, and I then returned to the practice. And in May of 2021, I left the practice and founded No Surrender. I'm I'm trying to marry, or I am marrying my uh, my passion for fitness and wellness, and trying to help busy professionals, busy attorneys, because there's a real issue in the profession now, Steve.
1: Yeah, and I think it's 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 hitting home even harder the last two years. Not only because of the pandemic, but also lawyers, many of them have never been busier. And there's a sacrifice for many that that comes with that type of, you know, high level of stress and and work and and uh, not letting the clients down, et cetera. So, what what have you kind of seen in the legal industry that led you to want to step in and, and be a part of the solution?
0: Well. You know, I just, before we jumped on today, I listened to your podcast with Tom Freeman. It it dropped and it was a dynamite conversation, excuse me. And, you know, the topic was the billable hour is broken. And I chuckled because I, I passed the bar in 88 and within four or five years, so the early 90s, this discussion was rampant. It's, well, we need to rethink this. And here we are 30 plus years later, and we're still rethinking it. And I'm not so sure that a newer, better system, you know, will, will address some of the issues. I mean, let's look for a minute at the salaries. You know, you, you and Tom talked about the great resignation. Salaries are, starting salaries are really escalating in the business. It's a good time, I think, to come out of law school. In February of a month ago, The uh, brewer firm out of Dallas in New York just jacked their first-year associate pay to two hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars. That's a big number. Uh, So how are you going to feed the furnace? You're going to you're you're going to work the young lawyer uh, pretty hard. Um, So it's kind of a uh, it's a circuitous situation uh, where you you're paying these very high salaries and you're going to need to make those folks productive. And I mean, how I think do you do that? Us, you work
1: them. And, and, right. And I, are, I think, and I'm not saying this is a hard, fast rule, but many of the attorneys I talk to, in the, you know, they're, they're looking for like a three to one ratio, meaning if somebody's getting paid 250, you know, they want to produce 750,000 in billable hours on that attorney, right? Is that, is that what you're seeing? That, is that, am I in, in line?
0: Yeah, that's a fair number. I would also tack on a minimum of, of $100,000 in overhead. Per attorney, uh, yeah. depending on the on generally on for the size of the firm. I mean, um, you know the uh, Davis Polk numbers. They just jacked their salaries last month as well for their fourth years now. As a for instance, they're up to two hundred and ninety three thousand dollars. They're eighth years, almost at four hundred. So that eighth year associate generally is may may cost that firm a half a million dollars. Yeah. So out of that, you're going to want more than than the 750 you just said. So yeah, I think that three to one ratio is a good one. I I say good, I mean, accurate. Yeah, I'm not saying it's healthy.
1: Yeah. So I mean, it's going to be a real dilemma and I don't, you know, obviously don't have the answers of how it's going to pan out. I don't know who's going to be paying for this in a year or two when ever, because if the younger attorneys are getting paid more, guess what? The guy that's been there five years, seven years, 10 years, they're going to have to get paid more. There's no way they're going to allow a fourth year associate to be paid what they what they're getting paid at ten and fifteen years. Agreed.
0: And the clients, I think there's going to be there's got to be pushback from a client to say why am I paying X hourly rate for a first year associate because first years, let's be frank, they they're very wet behind the ears. Yeah, they're learning and, on the job. Uh, they're they're learning on the job. I laughed again. I just having listened to your discussion with Tom Freeman, you know, he said he's a law professor and a practicing attorney. So only a law professor and a practicing attorney could get away with saying that law schools teach you to think like a law professor, and not an attorney. I love that line. Yeah. But the reason it resonated, Steve, is this. My my oldest daughter in the fall will start law school at George Washington University. GW is trumpeting the fact that two years ago, they came out with a program called the Fundamentals of Lawyering. And that was in response to market research that they had done, questionnaires and surveys of employers. And basically, the clients were saying, we, we really like these lawyers who come out of law school to know more about the fundamentals of lawyering. So on the one hand, I'm grateful that she will be exposed to that. But conversely, the fundamentals of lawyering, you know, there are some brick and mortar fundamentals that, that I learned back in, in law school, 85 to 88. But now, you know, fortunately, they now have a class. I got a lot of those fundamentals by clerking in a law firm. I knew what I didn't know when I said to myself, I've got to go out and learn these things outside of the law school arena. And that's what I did. But it's nice to see there the law schools recognizing this, that we need to produce folks that may know more about the, um, the profession of lawyering.
1: You know, and it's interesting, too, because I've spoken at a number of law schools around the country on business development, networking, relationship building, things like that. And the majority of the students, you know, I feel like they're just looking at me like I've got, you know, three eyes on my forehead. They're just just—they're just not even in the same world that I'm in as it relates to understanding the importance of relationships, understanding the network, you know, networking is a skill and how that's going to benefit them in the future. That's not really where their heads are. And that's a mistake because that's what's going to pan out for them two, five, 10 years in when they realize, you know, hey, I have no control over my life, my career. I'm building a ridiculous amount of hours. I'm trying to the firm's trying to make up for this massive salary that I now am getting, which is wonderful. But that's, that, that's all going to come to a head. And I don't know if, uh, if that's going to, you know, and, and then, then they have to figure out how to get a book of business so they can be portable so that when things you know, hit the fan, they've got an out strategy.
0: Agreed. And, you know, the relationship thing is a, is a, is a big issue. You know, a lot of folks come out of law school and, and I speak from experience. I came out as an idealist. I thought, OK, everybody needs a lawyer. Well, maybe everybody needs a lawyer, but those that need lawyers, many times already have lawyers. They have existing relationships. So to, to a degree, it was almost like a Wizard of Oz moment. I thought I would click my heels and there was my book of business. It doesn't, it doesn't roll like that, as you know. So you, you've got to learn these nuances when you meet somebody to say, hey, I know you, Steve Fretzen is your lawyer, but if there's ever a conflict, if a conflict arises, please keep me in mind. And, you know, that's how I kind of learned from the School of Hard Knocks. That's that was one of the lessons I learned. And, and you have to respect the relationships. I'm not going to come in and say, hey, yeah, that guy frets he's he's no good. You need to hire me. No, no, that that does not work. And also, I'll share an anecdote as a young lawyer. I joined all the bar associations and I spoke and I did this, that and the other thing. And I remember I came in one morning, I was Really pumped up because the night before I had spoken at a bar association meeting, and my then boss said to me, So, how many people were in the room? I said, About a hundred. He said, How many were lawyers? I said, About a hundred. And he said, Yeah, 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 you don't want to be in that room. He said, Why do you want to be with a hundred lawyers? He said, You want to be the only lawyer in a room of 100. And that stuck with me. And I used that as kind of modeling as a young lawyer. Uh, I, I then went to events. And people would say, what are you doing here? And I'd say, you see any other lawyers in the room? And they'd say, no. And I'd say, well, that's what I'm doing here. Yeah. (laughs) So these were all things we learned on the fly. Yeah. Legalese marketing is not your traditional marketing vendor. Instead, we're a true fractional CMO that helps you save time and spend your money the right way to build the practice of your dreams. We help through the entire process, from customizing your intake system to driving leads, and even getting more reviews afterwards. Schedule your free call at LegalEaseMarketing.com.
1: Hi, I'm Steph from Moneypenny. We're trusted by leading law firms and attorneys to answer calls virtually, professionally, and brilliantly. Our high-tech receptionist service enables us to route calls to your teams wherever they're working, And even recognize and prioritize calls based on whether they're a repeat caller, a new client, or a VIP. Claim your exclusive partner rates and free trial by quoting Fretzin today. And again, I think I think that there's obviously with so much competition, so much conflict, and rate pressure, lawyers end up becoming in some instances the best referral sources for certain lawyers in certain situations. So they may want to put themselves in rooms with lawyers, especially if they're a specialist. That stands out. But I get what you're saying. I, if, as a lawyer, would I rather speak to a room full of general counsels and CEOs, if that's my target, than a room full of competitors? Well, for sure. But let's, let's, let's get down to brass tacks here. We've got an insane situation happening in legal between what lawyers are being paid, the hours they're going to be looking to bill and continue to bill, The great resignation, the stress that that's causing COVID, we've got war in Europe, all these things happening at the same time. And also, how are firms and bar associations addressing the stress that has been happening and will continue to happen and even accelerate now into 2022? And I think that's one of the reasons you're in the business you're in is to help address that. But what are you seeing on the ground floor of what's happening right now and how it's being addressed?
0: Well, I can tell you that the bar associations have been very responsive. They've assembled task force over the last couple of years, and they're now rolling out a lot of the survey results and the like. I mean, I'll give you one, for instance, in Colorado, the Colorado Supreme Court Task Force on Lawyer Well Being released their report in November of 2021. And it's a very, very robust report, but included as one of the appendices was a well-being brochure. And it's almost something, Steve, that you could just tack up in your office as kind of a reminder. And it's it, it's really good. It's got quick tips for your own well-being. It defines lawyer well-being, emotional, intellectual, occupational, physical, spiritual, and social. And then we'll give you little tips on how to handle it. So. There are a lot of resources that are out there. That's one, for instance, the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court. They are in the midst of a survey, but they released their report, their annual report in January, their 2021 annual report. They released two guides last year for law students One is law student wellness and well-being, and the other is preparing law students and rising lawyers to thrive in law school, the legal profession, and beyond. So the Mass Supreme Judicial Court Standing Committee on Lawyer Well-Being is really getting into the weeds, getting to the law students. The New York State Bar Association, they released their task force survey, and they asked great questions. What could the New York State Bar Association provide to help you improve your physical fitness and health? Number one answer as an aside was online or in-person fitness programs or memberships. So the, the state bars are getting really deep with this. And th- this stuff didn't exist when I, when I was a young lawyer. So yeah. there's, there's a huge spotlight on it, which is good. That's yeah. good news.
1: And so let me ask you, and this may reflect on, on the business that you're starting, that you're, that you're in the no surrender, but what are, what are the things that you're working with lawyers on and, and, and what are you seeing them come to you with? And then what are you working with them on to help them live the better life and, 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 and you know, just, just take all, care of themselves, quite frankly? It, it's
0: all time. Steve, it all comes down to time. Lawyers never think they have enough time. And, you know, the pandemic, one of the issues, as, as we know, is more people working at home. So where's the cutoff? How do you separate home yeah. from work? It's pithy, but are you living at home or are you, or are <laughs> you working, uh, you're living at work? Yeah, uh, that type thing. So it's a time thing. Lawyers, uh, lawyers have a lot of stressors. They've got metrics they've got type A personalities. They've got this work hard, play hard ethos and this demand for perfection. So that's that's a dangerous cocktail when you mix that all together. So they then think, I have no time for this. There are 168 hours in a week. You can find 20 minutes a day, bottom line, you can find 20 minutes a day to pay attention to your self-care. Now, I've got a Peloton and I've been riding it in the winter. It's been a nice way to not go out and break my neck on the icy roads here in New England. But the Peloton has a 15-minute ride or a 20-minute ride. They they clearly recognize their audience that you've got, you may have a short snip at a time. Now I'm not advocating going out and buying a Peloton, but if hypothetically you had one, you can do a 15-minute workout. You can do that 20-minute workout.
1: Yeah. And I mean, look, there's Pelotons, there's treadmills, there's all kinds of machines. And on top of that, you know, there's just take the dog for a walk. I mean, there's, there's things you can do to just stay active and, and, and get some exercise and not, and, you know, I have a standing desk, so I'm up and down all day. I even bought one of those little, uh, balance boards. So I'm standing up and I'm on the balance board, moving my knees, move my legs, you know, keep my balance and stuff. And hopefully not, you know, falling over when I'm on a meeting with, right.
0: I I would like to address, one issue. Some folks think that self-care is selfish. And I categorically reject that. And here's why. And I had this discussion with a client recently. If you, you work out or you exercise for a number of reasons, one is certainly your own health. But I find that when you exercise, you show up more fully present to help your clients, to help your colleagues, to help your community and your family. So yes, you're doing it for yourself, but you're also doing it for others. And I I analogize this to going to a wake. Nobody ever says, gosh, I can't wait to go to that wake. But when you do, and you pay respects to the deceased and you honor their family, you usually walk out of a wake saying, I am so glad I went to that wake. I am so glad I did that because you were there for that that grieving family. I see that with exercise that, yeah, you feel good when you're doing it, but you're also, I'm so glad I did that because it makes me a better partner. It makes me a better father. It makes me a better friend. So I don't equate self care and selfishness. Absolutely not. I think it's the furthest thing from being selfish. Yeah,
1: but but that goes back to the the you know the mantra some people would have like if you can't take care of yourself you're not going to be able to take, you got to take care it's like the oxygen mask coming down right put it on yourself first so you can take care of the other people.
0: Agreed. And in order to be in service to others you first have to be you have to be vertical. You have to be present. Yeah. So yes, agreed with the with the oxygen mask but in order okay. to be in service you must first be. And how do you do that? And again, getting back to your question, it's a time thing. There's always this, this incredible time pressure.
1: But is it, is it a problem that in, I mean, I can go back as far as high school to college, to, to law school, to whatever, to law firm. Why am I t- I'm teaching time management to my clients and giving them the book, Getting Things Done by uh, David Allen, which is a game changer. That's my game changer book, but because they just there, it's just not taught. It's not taught that you have, you can actually have a process for how you manage time to delegate better, to manage your day better, to get organized with how you run your email, all the different things. And no one's doing it other than the people that actually, you know, either go through my program or, or sort of like figure it out on their own that they need to, that they need to have a process for managing time. So when we say you got to have 20 minutes to do X, Y, and Z, well, maybe it should be an hour. Maybe it should be two hours a day is free because you're doing a better job at actually learning a skill like time management.
0: Yeah. And, and when I was a young lawyer, one of my mentors, I, I was curious, very curious about on the billable hour, we get back to that. And I said, you know, how much per day do you like to bill? And he said, I thumbnail 80%. So if I work 10 hours, I'd like to get eight hours on the sheet. I said, well, what are the other two hours filled with? And he said, it could be filled with anything. It could be filled with marketing. It could be filled with administrative tasks. It could be filled with firm management. So that kind of stuck with me throughout my 30 plus career. If if I could get 80% down on the sheet, then that other 20% I saw as whatever I wanted to do with it, however I, you know. Devoted to marketing or leadership or admin or things of that nature. Um, but, I, but, so I would,
1: what, but I would bet I'm sorry, Carl, but I would bet that that unless lawyers are just getting fed a tremendous amount of work or they're just you know whatever that they're they're just getting crushed with with new clients and work. most attorneys are probably not anywhere near as billable as they could or should be because their time management is so poor. they're looking at social media during the day, they're on Amazon shopping, they're taking long lunches they're maybe if they're working from home they're not really like I'm really efficient at home but I think probably a lot of people aren't and so i just wonder if if that's you know that 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 you know that that people aren't making what they can make and and being able to live the balanced life because they're either taking too much on because they don't understand what they can really manage or or they're just they're just totally inefficient
0: i think a lot of it is is door number 2 totally inefficient i mean we had We had the usual suspects at the firm who would not bill their time until the end of the month. There's no way when you can sit down and put pen to paper and try to recall what you did the prior four weeks. Absolutely categorically impossible. Yeah. So I learned, again, back to my clerking experience at a a small law firm outside of DC, I learned how to bill time. We did a lot of work for a large carrier, my then mentor and boss we didn't bill in six minute increments. It was actually quarter hours back then. This was 85 to 88, but he taught me how to bill. So when I started, I knew how to bill and I was very profitable because I was capturing all of my time.
1: Yeah. So So we're, we're, uh, we're kind of, we're kind of getting towards the end. And I want to talk about the segment game-changing books, and you've got a really good one that I, I'm going to have to check out because I, I, start, I once I heard about it, I was like, well, that looks really interesting. One final tip or thought for my audience on what they need to consider and think about as it relates to living the fullest life, having the best legal career. And I know you can't always sum it up in one thing, but what, what would be your kind of you know, overall overarching advice? The
0: overarching advice would be to take advantage of the resources that are out there don't feel like you're isolated or living on an island because loneliness both literal and metaphorical is is not good so whatever you're going through others have a gone through it or b are going through it as well there are tremendous resources i spoke steve at a large insurance company their their wellness benefits were mind-boggling i mean the menu that was that is available to and they had 1500 plus attorneys. And this is a very large insurance company. But I, I, I joked with the HR person. I said, Boy, this would have been a great place to work. I mean, they're, again, their wellness benefits, fitness center discounts, fitness challenges, flu shots, mobile mammography vans, tobacco cessation, weight management. On the mental, they have life balance, in person counseling, digital counseling. They have financial wellness, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. There are incredible resources that are available. I mentioned the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court. Their website is incredible on, on wellness. They've got great data. Again, that Colorado punch sheet that I mentioned, just, uh, you know, tips. And there's one other thing too. I'm involved with the Institute for Wellbeing in the law, which is a not for profit that started last year. You can find that at lawyerwellbeing.net. Incredible resources there. And in fact, Wellbeing Week in Law is coming up first week of May. So yeah. that's something that lawyers can take advantage of.
1: Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. And let's, ta- let's take a minute to do the segment, Game Changing Books. So I'm asking all of my guests to kind of share one book that they felt was a game changer for them that they'd like to recommend for, for my audience and, and why. So what's the book and, and the author and why and what you got out of it? And let's wrap it up on that.
0: Sure. So my Game Changing Book is one written by Achim Novak called The Moment, A Practical Guide to Creating a Mindful Life in a Distracted World. I met Akeem last year. He's a, uh, an incredible author, speaker, coach, uh, category authority, and we are living in a distracted world. And Akeem's book is basically talks about his experience around the world, kind of living kind of dialing it back a bit on awakening the senses, craving meaning. He talks about wave ride energy and making time stand still. And I'll give you one, one, for instance, he, he says, take a vacation in your own community. And I shared with him, I belong to a club in a neighboring town that was founded by Sicilian immigrants. I meet a friend there. We drink espresso. And everybody's speaking Sicilian. My friend and I do not speak Sicilian, but the espresso is great. That is a vacation in my own community. Uh, yeah. These are, again, Sicilian retirees who, who don't want to lose the texture of their ethnicity. So that, that's a for instance. And that's a little break that I would take a half hour every week. And I'd meet my friend and drink some espresso. Yeah, that's that's something that Akeem advocates in his book called The Moment. It's just when you read it, you'll actually feel yourself downshifting and saying, wow, this this really makes a lot
1: of sense. Now, very cool. Very cool. Everybody check that out online. And uh, Carl, thank you so much for uh, for being on the show a second time. And if people want to get in touch with you, learn more about no surrender and what what you do for lawyers. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you?
0: Sure. My website's carlfix.com, C A R L F I C K S dot com, or they can email me. I'm, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn as well. They can email me at carl at carlfix.com. Okay. So I appreciate, Steve, you having me. This is, it's always great to be with you. And I just love chatting with you.
1: Yeah. We, we always have a good time and we always talk about things that are really important in the legal profession. And we can, you know, we don't have to talk about business development every minute. On this show, you know, I think there's you can't do business development effectively if your mind and your body and, and the way you feel and the way you're running your time isn't working. You have to sometimes fix some things and look at some things inward before you can start looking outward at, at what's, you know, what what's going on around around you as it relates to growing a book of business. So uh, really 100 percent. Yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. And hey everybody, thank you for listening to Carl and I today. Another great opportunity show to you know get some good takeaways to start you know being really considerate of yourself and 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 wh- how you're feeling and 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 thinking and 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 trying to get your your act together so you can live the best possible life you can live. Have that balance. Be that lawyer, someone who's confident, organized, and a skilled rainmaker. If you haven't checked out my new book, Legal Business Development isn't rocket science. I encourage you to grab a copy on Amazon. It's not going to break the bank, and I've got over 50 chapters and 250 easy and actionable ways to grow your book of business. Talking on all kinds of subjects: marketing, business development, networking, health and wellness, time management, et cetera. So grab a copy, and uh, you know, if you love it, give it a couple of stars, maybe more than four on uh, Amazon. It'd be much appreciated. Take care, everybody. Be safe. Be well. We'll talk to you again soon.
0: Thanks for listening to Be That Lawyer, life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Visit Steve's website, fretson.com, for additional information and to stay up to date on the latest legal business development and marketing trends. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out today's show notes.